which can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let's just take a moment to pray before Luke comes up to share with us. Father, it is your words that we need to hear this morning. Your words that need to remain in us as we go out from here this morning. So we ask that you will come and be with us and make ourselves aware of your presence and that we will have open hearts to hear what it is that you have to say to us. Father, fill Luke with your spirit that he might speak your words, not his, and that he will give us your message for today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. awkward moment or two. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here with you this morning. Um, You probably all may as well start with the obvious. I've played basketball for 30-something years, but it's been about 12 years since I've played for Unley Park, halfway through my second match back. And um, just yesterday, this is the result. But um, fortunately, no breaks, just a fairly bad sprain, and hopefully not too much more than that. But um, we'll attempt this on one leg this morning. But it it is good to be here. really do value the chance to have, have been here. So it's already been almost a couple of months since I started in kind of this, this interim role. And a couple of weeks are we away in the middle of that period of time. But it's been good to be here and to slowly start to meet a bunch of people that we haven't met before. Also to get reacquainted with, I think, even more people that we have known from um, some time back and over the past 10, 15, 20 years. It's been really great. And great, um, been really having a good time kind of working with Jason and the team here as well at Obviously, what's a fairly transitional stage for Unleap, but a really exciting one as well. And I was kind of in- inducted into this role um, those couple of months ago. One thing I didn't really say properly that morning, I don't think, was simply to say thank you uh, for the chance to be here and for kind of trusting me into this role for however long it ends up being. Really, really do value that. 
and Unley Park has given, given me and given us, family, many, many opportunities over the years, going back about probably 20 years now. One of those particular ones I remember was on the 17th of April 2005, and I spoke at a night service here back then, so 13 years ago, and it was one of my very first sermons. I don't know what it means that I've taken 13 years to get a second chance, but um, we'll have a shot this morning, and hopefully the next one isn't too far behind. But I know not everyone was a part of a church back then, but does anyone happen to remember being here that night? That's oh, one hand, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, all these years later, I still argue it was a good sermon delivered badly, but um, I'm not really sure. But it's good to have the chance this morning to, to launch into this new series. And as Jason said, and as we've seen in that DVD, May in the Baptist Churches of Australia has for a long, long time now been Mission Month. I don't know what you think when you hear those words, like what comes to mind straight away and what your expectations might be. I know going back a while what mine were, kind of a little embarrassed to say it. It was kind of like, really, like again, do we have to go back to this mission conversation again? But God's gracious and I think over time we learn things and I feel like I've had that opportunity quite slowly to maybe understand this thing, this thing we call mission a bit more. So I want to say this morning that, yeah, actually we, we do need to go back to this conversation and regularly. And for three reasons I'd suggest. The first of those is simply because, kind of the most foundational reason, is simply because this is who we are. Well, the call to follow Jesus is a call to live our lives, whatever they may be and wherever they may be, to live our lives as a part of God's mission to a fragile and a broken world, but a world that he seeks to redeem and restore and transform. So God has this awfully big mission and somehow he invites our lives, our individual lives, but also our community life to be a part of that. Our lives are a part of God's mission. Failing to recognise that, if, if, we, if we do fail to recognise, we actually end up selling ourselves short in the sense of what God has designed us for what he has designed us to be. And we also miss out on a whole lot of the beauty and the adventure and the excitement of what God has invited us into as well. This is the first reason I'd say is because this is simply who we are. But secondly, if we kind of look at this this mission, concept of mission at a global scale, I don't know if you're aware, but today, even still right now, 42% of the world's population lives in a least reached people group. It means that more than four out of 10 people on the face of the earth today, live in a context where they're not, they don't have access to the good news of Jesus in an easy way. They can't, even if they knew about it, to go and find out more, they don't have that opportunity. 42%. But then bring it kind of closer to home, a country like Australia where there is that easy and open kind of access. Anyone can go walk into a church if they want. But how many people do we see around us truly committing their lives to following Jesus? So mission is a conversation always it needs to be on the table because this is part of our bread and butter of life as God's people. This month is really just about bringing intentionality into that conversation. The theme verse comes from the passage that Tim's read to us. That comes from a long conversation that Jesus had with his his original disciples. The key verse is verse 5 of John chapter 15 where we read, I am the vine, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So what is mission? Seems sensible that if we're going to have a month-long series on mission, it's worth spending a few minutes just at the start, kind of talking about what it is. The problem is that's not actually that easy a thing to do because mission has become quite an elusive concept that is really hard to, to define. You can do all the reading and all the research that you want. You can look at the different strands of Christian faith and history and practice and what you won't find is a consensus about what mission is. What that means is that mission these days can mean pretty much anything and the unfortunate end of that road is that it's also true that the concept of mission can now be used to justify pretty much anything. We want to say this morning though straight from this passage we believe that we want to be on about fruitful mission and as these verses tell us fruitful mission it's about producing the fruit of the vine and the vine itself being Jesus so what is the fruit what are we seeking as we engage in mission over recent times there's been quite a strong shift toward what's often been called not very accurately, I don't think, but what's often been called the social gospel. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, an approach to mission, I suppose, that focuses on aid and development, poverty, injustice, seeing those sorts of things come to an end. It suggests, as many other people have as well, that that shift was very, very much needed. For a long time, a lot of God's people had kind of lost sight of the need and the call for us as God's people to be people who fight for justice and advocate for those who are marginalised or forgotten or ignored. The swing kind of toward that strand of mission, though, has been really strong to the point that sometimes, too often along the way, the, the, the need to kind of have a message and a word that goes with that has kind of been forgotten. I'll give you an example of what we're talking about. You may be aware that the Hutchies family, we're heading toward Cambodia, hopefully later this year. We've committed to going there for three years with the hope of kind of learning the language and the culture of the people so that we can get to know them, understand them, and then find ways to communicate the good news of Jesus with them. We've been on this pathway toward Cambodia for about, probably about two years now. So a lot of conversations along the way with a lot of people in a lot of churches. And we found that almost every time, one of the first questions that's asked us is, well, what are you going to be doing? Like, fair enough to turn up in Cambodia. What are you going to be doing when you get there? Not at all a bad question to ask. Very good question to ask. But the thing is, we're still waiting for the first person to ask us how it is we plan to share the good news of Jesus with the Cambodian people. Two, two years. Haven't had the question yet. So for a lot of people, mission is about activity. It's about what we do before it is about the message that we have to convey. That message of hope and renewal and restoration. It's hard to talk about these things without sounding critical, and I'm not, I'm not meaning to be, so please don't hear that in what I'm describing. Because the point I want to make is simply to say that good mission or fruitful mission actually involves, involves both those things. It involves action and a message, or word and deed. And somehow we see that when those things actually happen together in a really kind of synchronised way, one actually makes sense of the other. The word helps to describe the action. The action makes sense of the word that we might speak. You see, fruitful mission results in God's kingdom breaking in. It happens in a person's life. It might happen in their family. 
happens in a community, happens across a society, happens sometimes right throughout a nation. There's nothing that cannot be transformed as God's kingdom comes because it comes in power. So we think, see things like poverty and injustice and corruption kind of tackled and confronted. But also in a different context, we might see things like wealth or pride or indifference. That'll get kind of critiqued as well. And a follower, a follower of Jesus, a person on mission, taking the lead from Jesus, is a person who's learning to look at something or actually learning to look at everything kind of with that potential. Now, what might it look like for God to get his way here if he's not already? What's it look like? If we're talking this about it at a personal level, like at the level of a person, we often use the word conversion. Use that word, though, we've got to be careful because we're not just talking about the moment a person comes to faith in Jesus. That's actually kind of, we would see the starting point of conversion. Conversion's more a process. It's, it's about a person becoming completely rewired so that their foundational beliefs and opinions and convictions and assumptions and their behaviours, all of those things start to be reoriented toward God. You know, conversion sounds like something that happens in an instant. It actually takes a lifetime because those sorts of changes to those foundational parts of a person, they sit so deep. Change actually happens at the level of what we might call worldview. Deep down where we believe the things that we believe without even necessarily realising that we believe them. They just, they seem that plainly obvious that we don't even need to think about it. But when something's that deep down and that foundational to a person or to a society... That's actually the stuff that needs to shift if true change is going to occur. Problem is, changing something so foundational never shifts easily. Let me try to explain what I mean a little bit. We look at the Western culture for a moment. One of the core beliefs of Western culture is that of individualism. So this sense that a person is, you know, they're a unique individual, autonomous, we're independent of other people, follow this strand of thought and we, we end up along the lines of, well, I am who I am. People can't tell me anything else. I have this ability to create my own identity. So what does it mean for a Westerner, that sense of Western culture, to be converted as a follower of Jesus? Well, it would mean that people would start to see themselves less as individuals, more as a member of God's people, as a member of the church. And as that kind of realisation, that belief starts to shift, that identity starts to change, then we would see decisions and priorities being made accordingly. Decisions aren't made on an individual basis, they're made on a community basis. It's a big change though. It doesn't happen all at once, it happens over a long period of time. Now this concept of worldview, look at the scriptures and we see what Jesus says, we see the sorts of things he talked about. That's the level he so often spoke at. The parables are often Jesus at his best. Like it's what his parables did. It challenged the basic fundamentals of a person's or a society's belief system. And you see in the scriptures, he, Jesus freaked most people out when he did that because they just hadn't conceived that there might be another way. There might be a better way. And for Jesus, it meant that so many of those around him who couldn't see that, it became easier for them to kill him than to have their system kind of threatened. 
You know, a person or a society's worldview sits so deeply. And I find myself wondering about this. I think, well, how does that ever change? Like, if it's that powerful and that kind of set, how does that actually ever change? The thing is, God is more powerful. It might seem to us like a miracle, and I'm probably this morning making it sound more complicated than it is, because at its heart, it's a simple thing. If God convicts a person, change becomes the obvious thing to occur. Worldview is incredibly powerful. Culture, worldview. God is more powerful. This is where the theme of dependence starts to come in. You know, if we're ever going to be fruitful in mission, we need to learn to depend on God because He's actually the one who does the transforming. It might sound like an obvious thing to say, but for people who are probably for the most part used to being self-empowered and kind of in control of our lives and our outcomes is not necessarily an easy thing. Depending on anyone other than ourselves might not come easy. But John 5, verse 15 again, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, the obvious starting point is we're not the vine, that's Jesus, which in other words is to say that we don't grow anything. God does. You know, so often in life, our our own efforts can get us an awfully long way, whether it be our work or our hobbies or our studies, whatever we pursue with our lives. Focus hard enough, concentrate long enough, do the in and out and the hard work and you'll probably get a long way. You, you might know that I love my running until yesterday. But um, one of the reasons I love to run is because it's one thing I can do where it's kind of all on me. Like I've got to get up early in the morning, I've got to do the training runs, I've got to monitor myself, I've got to hit the marks, I've got to eat well, I've got to prepare and then when the next event comes I've got to kind of deliver it on the day. Except that that's actually complete nonsense. I might think it's all on me, but it's not. I depend on God for the air I breathe, the body I would use, depend awfully on Rach to let me neglect all sorts of other things so that I can do it, and then stretch my legs so I can do the next training run as well. I might think it's all on me, but it's not. It's a bit like that with mission. We think... Sometimes perhaps it's all on us, but actually it never is. We can't achieve anything if God is not working. He's designed us to be connected to him. He's designed us to be nurtured by him. The vine and the branches image, you'll find it elsewhere in scripture. It's really kind of powerful imagery. It's what, it's a picture of what it means for God's people to be deeply connected into him and dependent on him. It's a very relational kind of dependent image. I was pruning a, pruning a tree at our house a few weeks ago. It wasn't kind of light pruning, it was chainsaw sort of stuff. So I was having a great time and got this job done and piled all these branches up to the side of the yard. We then went out somewhere for the next couple of hours and I reckon maybe two, three hours later came back home and driving back in the driveway and I couldn't but help but notice how much those branches I'd cut were already starting to suffer. The life was already going from them. And like I said, they weren't small branches. They were pretty 
chunky and robust, and you would think they had some sort of ability to maintain some sort of life, but they actually didn't. The moment they were cut, the process of death began. There's a kind of a picture there of of how fruitful we can expect to be if we cut ourselves off from God and try to go our own way. Need to remember we are only the branches. It might be the branches that produce the fruit, but that only happens when Jesus' life and power kind of flow through them or flow through us. This is the sort of thing we want to be on about. And you'll hear more as we talk through and share this month different people. These are the sorts of things we're on about, being deeply connected to God, receiving our life and our nourishment from Him, but also inviting other people to find their way into God's kingdom. So as a sign, inviting people into that kingdom, which is coming into this world with its transforming power. But in particular, all of us together learning to depend upon God every step of the way. I want to kind of just wrap up now by telling you two brief stories of these sorts of things happening. One of these is a story that's kind of at a societal or or perhaps a national level. The other one is at an individual level, the level of a person. Refer to Papua New Guinea for a moment. This was an early location of overseas mission for Australian Baptists. It's one of the first places we sent people. And Baptists worked there together in mission for about 50 years. It was back in 1956 that 47 new believers were baptised into a muddy stream in Papua New Guinea. There are photos of this event. I tried to find one this morning, but I couldn't. There are photos of this event. You've got these people being baptised, and there's this hillside of thousands of people, local people, watching on. Those 47 people baptised that day were the first followers of Jesus as a result of Baptist mission in that country. By the end of 2010, just 54 years later, there were 80,196 baptised believers in 520 Baptist churches in Papua New Guinea give you a comparison, there are about 65 Baptist churches here in South Australia today. All of that happened in barely 50 years. The church in that country has grown so much because God has done so much that these days Australian Baptists don't even have a permanent presence there anymore because we don't need one. This truly local missional church has grown up, matured, and now operates in, in Papua New Guinea under its own leadership and under God. Amazing things have happened. Second story, a part of my previous role with Global Interaction here in South Australia, a few years ago I had the chance to visit our team in Thailand. Our team in Thailand operate up in the north of the country amongst the least reached ethnic Thai people. Like I said before, these are people who have never heard of Jesus. So I've got this couple of days up in the north of Thailand and I'm staying with Demma and Carolyn who are some of our cross-cultural workers or missionaries. Demer and Carolyn introduced me to a man named Paul and I start learning about his story. I find out that just a couple of years earlier, Paul had been this successful, wealthy businessman, like re- really wealthy, he was doing really well. But things kind of went south, turned bad, he lost his business, marriage fell apart and he kind of hit rock bottom. Demer and Carolyn met Paul one night just by chance in this little roadside restaurant. They got talking, they bumped into each other again a little bit further down the track and over time this relationship kind of just started to grow. Getting to know each other better and before long they're talking about spiritual things. Being Thai, Paul is a Buddhist, Demer and Carolyn are obviously 
followers of Jesus. So they have these discussions at start about all sorts of things. At the right time, Demma introduces Jesus into those conversations. Further down the track, they invite Paul to this kind of little house church that meets at their place once a week. And Paul turns up, and the amazing thing is amongst a group of Thai Buddhists who are starting to hear about Jesus, God does his thing, and Paul meets Jesus. The thing is, though, he doesn't just start believing different things. He actually starts the process of transformation. The problems I mentioned before, they didn't all disappear overnight, but he did start to look at them very quickly starts to look at them differently. He starts to see his life, the challenges that he has through the cross and through Jesus. It's a man who's being transformed. And before too long, God starts to use him in the transformation of others. I've kind of followed the story a little bit since that trip I had there. And a little bit after I was there, several years ago now, Paul himself was baptised. A little bit on from that, Paul becomes, he's commissioned as the leader of that house church in which he came to faith. More recently again, he's baptised his own son, along with several other Thai believers that same day. And this community of faith forms as God does his transforming work. This community of faith forms, it's being led by a local Thai believer and these believers themselves are starting to find ways to share Jesus with their own people. They become missional. These are some of the stories of the amazing things that God can do. And by the grace of God, he does them so often as we live our lives as a part of his mission to the world. And in particular, he does them as we continue to learn our dependence on him. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me pray. Oh Lord Jesus, it's with, with thankful hearts that we, we recognise that you have given us kind of this ultimate purpose, uh, to live, live our lives as a part of your reconciling mission to the world. We know that you call people to yourself, but we believe also that you seek to transform not just people, but the entire world. It's structures, it's systems, it's practices to see things like poverty and injustice dealt with, uh, but to see those big picture things changed as people themselves learn to follow you and it kind of ripples out. We thank you for this church and the mission to which you have called us. We thank you for the many countless people who have been reached over time. But we continue to commit ourselves to you and to your purposes that in the prayer and in the hope and also in the dependence in asking that you would continue that work, uh, both in us and through us. Have us try hard, but have us not make the mistake of thinking it all depends on that, uh, but that we, we would depend ultimately on you to be people who through, through whom you continue to work, uh, bring much joy and much hope and much purpose together as a church community in our day-to-day lives the things that we're a part of and the people that we encounter. We thank you that we have that potential. We thank you that it is a part of who we are. And we, again, commit ourselves to it this morning. We pray in your name. Amen.